Greetings. Today in the Chizuba Talk series, we talk about a complex challenge that affects millions of people worldwide, food insecurity. This issue arises from a combination of complex social, economic, and environmental factors. It is multifaceted and interconnected. Ampleharvest.org is a nationwide nonprofit that uses technology to educate and enable the estimated 61 million, uh, that's up from 42 million in pre-COVID-19 world, Americans who grow food in home and community gardens to easily donate their surplus harvest to one of over 8,000 registered local food pantries spread across all 50 states. Founded by CNN hero and World Food Prize nominee, Gary Oppenheimer, ampleharvest.org helps nourish the one out of six Americans that rely on these pantries. Welcome to Chizuba Talks, Gary. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here with you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Gary, could you provide an overview of ampleharvest.org's mission and the goals? Let me start by saying this is unlike any other program um, in, in the country and quite possibly the world because we're treating hunger and, um, and food waste not as food problems, but as information mm -hmm. problems. Just like Tesla and Uber treat transportation as information problems. They're not, they don't mm -hmm. transport people, they just use information. I founded ampleharvest.org in May of 2009 to solve two problems in the United States simultaneously. One, millions and millions of gardeners, and again, not farmers, but gardeners, people who grow things in their backyards for personal use and pleasure, often grew far more than they could use or preserve or share with friends. And either they was forced on other people or that surplus food went to waste. Nearby, down the street was a food pantry or a food bank that was feeding hungry people and almost never had fresh food. The architecture of the American food bank system prevented people like anybody, and me from donating fresh food to a food drive to get to hungry people, largely because of the time it takes for food to travel from uh, a donation, could be days or weeks, which is fine for jars and cans and boxes, and it's not good for fresh food. I realized that if I could enable a gardener, and by the way, I'm a gardener and millions of others, to be able to donate their surplus harvest directly to a local food pantry and bypass mm. the choke point in the food bank network, food could go from my garden to the food pantry to a hungry family on a same day basis. The food they would get would be fresher than what you and I can buy in a supermarket and the food pantry would never need um, uh, refrigeration. What I had realized was needed was two things. Number one was to change the uh, mantra, to change the discussion at food drives of jars, cans, boxes, no fresh food. That became history. The second part was to enable a gardener to donate the food. 
I had gone onto Google back in 09. I was looking for food pantries and said the nearest one was 25 miles away. I knew that was wrong because mm. there were some in my town. So the other half of the equation was to build a search engine of food pantries that wanted the food and to include in there the days of weeks and time of days they wanted the donation. Once the gardener knew that they could donate the food and to where and when they could donate that surplus food for the rest of their gardening life. And to be honest, we had solved the problem. It wasn't the food. It was misinformation. You're not allowed to donate food and missing information to where and when to donate it. Ampleharvest.org is an information-based solution to food waste and hunger. Today, we are working with uh, over 8,000 food pantries in all 50 states and 4,200 communities. And we are now rolling out a special adaptation of the program specifically for Native American reservations across the country. Our original model didn't exactly fit the realities on the ground there. And we, with the help of tribal elders and food sovereignty experts, made some pivots and changes to allow ampleharvest.org to work on the reservations. That's wonderful. Uh, I would assume that uh, the fresh harvest that is uh, transported to the local pantry would be of varied uh, types, right? So is there anything that you say that this is a particular crop that you would like to be delivered at this pantry based on the local needs? Is something like that happening? The only place that question really applies, and it's a good question, is on Native American reservations, there is a desire for indigenous foods, the food of their ancestors. So yes, if I, if somebody's Native American as a gardener, the crops that they traditionally grew, the beans, the squashes, the corns and tomatoes, that is preferred. Uh, but generally across America, it's whatever is grown. I want to remind you that the food being donated is not food being asked for by a food pantry. This is the food that I, a gardener, wanted to grow for my own enjoyment. Whatever I like is also where the climate I am. It's whatever surplus I have in my garden that I'm offering for donation. You can think of it as an analogy to clo you know, uh, coat drives. When you've outgrown your coat, the style has changed. You donate your coat to a thrift shop so somebody else can get it. A thrift shop doesn't come to you and say, can we please have a red or whatever type of coat? They get what they get. The gardeners grow a wide variety of food, and it's that surplus that gets donated. And by the way, we are partnered now. Uh, Google's been a huge backer of Ample Harvest Network since the very beginning, and we deeply appreciate that. Bonnie Plants, the largest supplier of seedlings in America, is backing Ample Harvest Network. We're working with Home Depot, another major uh, uh, company, and another one that's coming up, I believe, next year. So we have good corporate partnerships in this endeavor. Great. Wonderful. Well, I was going to come to that. You know, do you have any partners with your transport, with your local produce, with uh, the local stores? So you do have uh, collaborations. Yeah. And let me, you mentioned the word transport. This is not something where somebody comes to you and gets the food. This is where you take the food from your garden to the pantry near you, just like you would donate anything else in your community. So I've harvested the food. I had too much. I put it in bags or boxes. I go to the ampleharvest.org website. I put in where I live. Here comes a list of five food pantries. I pick the one that's open 
on the day or the time that's convenient, and I take the food there. So in addition to me being a donor of food to the food pantry, it's a community engagement opportunity. I get to meet the people. They get to meet me. Maybe later on, I want to volunteer. Maybe later on, I want to donate money. That's at that point between us. The other magic point about ampleharvest.org is it's entirely plausible that somebody who is a gardener fell on hard times. They they're got laid off, their store closed, whatever. They're still gardening, but they need help putting bread and milk and cheese on the dinner table. They have the opportunity to go to the food pantry to get that bread and milk and cheese and to be donating the extra squash from their garden that they can't eat at the same time. This is a rare opportunity for somebody who is in need of assistance to also be providing the assistance within their community. And the other piece of magic within ampleharvest.org is because the food is so local, it's entirely possible that I'm donating food and my next door neighbor who needs help is getting food. The idea of having food come into the pantry a few hours before the hungry families do come in means that I'm donating food and I know somebody in my community is going to get it. And my neighbor has just gone in to get some help and food and he knows it came from somebody in the community. He doesn't know who. He is not humiliated. I'm not embarrassed by the two of us being there together. This really maintains the um, the, the dignity, for lack of a better word, of the hungry family and allows our friendship to continue without me knowing that he's fallen on hard times. So there's a really valuable ethical component built into the model. Absolutely. That is very beautiful indeed. Now, one question that arises from this is, uh, it is assumed that the harvest is a healthy harvest without any uh, you know, infections or without any pest uh, pesticide on it. So do you have some basic criteria where what kind of food or what kind of excess harvest needs to be donated? Uh, the type of food could be anything. The um, You asked the question about pesticides and stuff like that. The vast majority of people um, growing food for themselves, for their own family, for their own consumption, I have found tend to grow organically to the extent that they can, which means the food that they will be donating is often going to be healthier, if you will, than food that's coming from farms and other commercial sources. Now, as a gardener, the, the burden is on me to look at the food and to make sure that it is good and it is wholesome. And we came up with a common sense model for what's the quality of the food you should donate. So. Let's pretend you're the type of person who will only eat the perfect apple. It has to be round and red and unblemished. That's the only apple you'd buy for your family. That's the quality of the food that you're going to donate. Or you're a different type of person. You, you enjoy eating organic food. And you'll find, for example, on green apples, they're often little black dots. These are funguses that are natural. They don't harm you. They don't taste bad. But that's just how they come even from the store. Mm. If that's your standard, you donate. So the bottom line is you should only donate food that's of a quality that you would serve to your own family. Nobody's going to give their family food that's rotting or has worms or anything else like that. Three people get to inspect the food. The gardener, of course, mm. the mm. food pantry staff, and of course, the person eating it. 
So since the food is not packaged in boxes or cans, it's fully visible and viewable from all sides. And if somebody says, this is not for me, or this is not wholesome, it can be put aside. Absolutely, yes. Let's take a break to understand what Jazuba is. Everyone at some point ponders on how this beautiful life can be made more meaningful. Maybe you're a leader trying to enhance your employees' experience at your organization. Or you already work for the community and seek volunteers with state-of-the-art skills to strengthen your nonprofit. Whatever your situation, know that you can make a difference. Chizuba began with this very vision. A vision to facilitate every skill and every passion in the world in meeting a social need. Corporate volunteering has several benefits for both businesses and organizations. In parallel, experienced and enthusiastic volunteers join NGO workers, enabling them to serve the community more effectively. Chizuba offers everyone looking to add purpose and meaning to their lives a chance to connect or volunteer virtually with non-profit organizations from over 100 countries around the world. Visit www.chizuba.net and explore opportunities to find meaning. Chizuba, your platform to do good. And now, back with our guest. Um, do you, do you, did you face any challenges uh, when trying to connect with local food pantries and even distribution, were there any challenges there? We have, uh, there, there are an estimated 33,500 food pantries in America. There are about a quarter of them, 8,000 didn't change part of our network. So you can say we got a quarter of our work done, or you can say three quarters of our work has yet to be done. We're continuously looking to add more food pantries across the country to join ampleharvest.org. And it's an ongoing effort. The Many of these pantries are in the basement of a house of worship. They're not easy to find. We're working with different partners to get them information, to encourage them to sign up. The program we have in Native American reservations be, became obviously a necessity for us when we realized there were wide swaths of the United States landscape where we had few, if any, pantries. And mm-hmm. it wasn't that there was no gardeners. And it wasn't that there was no hunger. It was that we had to make some changes. Um, so a big part of our work is getting the pantries up. Um, this is totally free for the pantry, and it's totally free for the gardener. So there's no reason for a pantry saying, nah, we don't want to be a part of this. Out of the past 14 years, maybe five or 10 pantries that said, nah, never mind. When they find out, they come on board. One of the challenges we did have during the pandemic was over a thousand of our food pantries closed because the senior citizens who were volunteering to run them did not themselves want to risk getting sick. So whole food system in the United States was shaken a bit. We had to adapt to that, but we've already recovered most of that uh, thing. So this is a, a, um, has, this is a, what's what I'm looking for here? A, it's a win-win for the gardener. It's a win-win for the for the food pantry. The gardener is mm-hmm. not wasting food. They're donating. And by the way, the gardener could take a tax write-off if they want. It is a tax-deductible donation. And the oh, food nice. pantry is getting food for free. Wonderful. Well, I, I should um, say something else 
sure. before I forget this. According to an analysis done by an economist from the Har from Cisco Systems, a Harvard trained economist in 2016, if all this is pre-pandemic numbers, but if all the gardeners in America knew they could donate food, if all the food pantries in America could receive the food, enough food would be donated to feed 28 million people, about 11 billion pounds, and America's healthcare costs would drop 58 billion dollars per year by virtue of improved health, less diabetes, less obesity, less hypertension, etc. This is a very simple model, not only for feeding people, but more importantly, for nourishing people at zero cost to the community or the country. Wonderful. Absolutely. And those statistics are uh, very, very impressive. Uh, I hope somebody is taking note of that and doing something about it. <laughs> Um, uh, tell us now, uh, Gary, do you have any plans for the future for ampleharvest.org? Uh, any new initiatives or goals on the horizon? Well, right now we're working very hard, as I mentioned, on the program for the Native American reservations. That's a new program. Yes. We're backed by Google and Bonnie Plants, and we're, we're partnering with many of the Native American nations. We hope next year, maybe the year after, to expand into Puerto Rico and the U.S. territories. But that's the, as far as we're going to go. Um, we have spoken to people in other countries about the model, about a dozen countries over the years. Every country has its own food bank model. So mm -hmm. um, my argument has been take what we've done, learn from the mistakes we've made. We've made a few. Everybody does and make your own version of ampleharvest.org that is designed to meet the laws, the traditions, the landscape of your country, and hopefully make it better than what we, what we built. I mean, even in Canada, right next door, which you would think ampleharvest.org could easily go there, their food bank network is very different. Instead of being a single food bank network for the whole country like we have in the United States, in Canada, every province has its own food bank network. And on top of that, in Canada, it has to be bilingual, English and French. Somebody in Canada or in each of the provinces would make their own, ditto from Mexico or the UK or, in, or any other country. The model is straightforward. Uh, it's not hard to do. Uh, I do know that Israel, after we met with them in, I think, 2012, the uh, Leket Israel, the Israeli Food Bank Network, made their own version of it, which is working beautifully. We've met with a bunch of other countries just zoom calls or face-to-face -face meetings and hopefully more will make it but um we have a lot of work ahead of us here in the united states so going into other countries ourselves is not a smart thing to be doing we have a lot of work to do here both in terms of expanding our network and finding more supporters corporate partners we're always looking for uh foundations individual donors to help underwrite the cost of this was always that's a big part of our effort and i want to say one other thing as big as the program is in impact, today the organization has a staff of four people and a board of directors of 10. That's it for a national program. And the reason is it's not about the food. We don't need it's to have offices in different cities. We don't need to have local committees. Everything is operates um, of, in, in these home offices. We have everybody's been works from, from day one in a home office spread across multiple states. When the pandemic hit and everybody else had to figure out how do I work from home, 
We'd been doing it since 2009. We just kept tooling right along. We were just set for that. <laughs> That's so awesome. I, I can't believe that when you have a nationwide program and just four people as staff and 10 people as, you know, people are helping out. I, I don't know how you're managing to do that. But obviously with technology, I think you are also uh, looking at expanding uh, from the execution part of it. Right. Well, and we're looking to grow, to expand the impact that we have. We're not we are not interested in supermarket food or farm food. We're focused on the gardener. That focus stays there. We are focused on the food pantries. We just want to get millions more gardeners aware and thousands more food pantries uh, are connected. So the more that we connect them together, the quicker the problem in America is solved. Very true. Yeah. And. Uh, if I were to ask you for numbers, uh, do you keep track of how many, uh, you know, tons of uh, food you have donated so far or, or arranged for getting donated so far? Have you kept track of that? We don't because yeah. it's the wrong question. It's okay. not about the food. <laughs> it's about the connection between. And I'm, 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 I'm pushing on this for an important reason. Let me ask you a question. If you are running a program like this and one gardener is donating watermelons and another gardener is donating spinach, mm. is weight really an important question? Watermelon is mostly water, water, and spinach is mostly nutrition. The weight factor isn't terribly important. You can make the argument of how much nutrition comes into the community. Uh, we've right. done surveys. We asked the food pantries ballpark estimates of how much food they get. But frankly, once the gardener knows they could be donating the food and uh, once the food pantry is receiving it, we are completely disconnected from, from them. Our data shows that the average gardener grows around 270 pounds of food per year, more than they could use. Now, if you have okay. only two tomato plants in your backyard, you're going to say that's ridiculous. But for most gardeners across the country, their gardens are 600 square feet or larger. There's a lot of food there. The issue is not how much food. It's how many gardeners have the capacity and the, and the ability to donate the food. And there was a thought experiment question I did years ago. If every gardener knew they could donate and a drought or blight wiped out every garden in America that year, mm. are we a success or are we a failure? Mm -hmm. My argument was we are a success because the capacity to donate the food is there even if none was, don none was donated. It's like a storm drain on a road. It's not a failure on a sunny day. It's just True. waiting <laughs> for the rain. Then it will remove the, the excess water. Wonderfully described. Very nice. Oh, well, uh, you have learned a couple of lessons along the way, you say. And uh, what is the advice that you would give to others looking to start maybe similar initiatives in their communities? Let me start with a quote. Um, this is from a dear friend from a prior career way back when. There are going to be lots of people who are going to tell you, you can't do this. It's nobody's ever done it before. It's impossible to do. Um, I got those comments. And the answer is to do the impossible. You must first believe it isn't. Go at it and do what you believe is right. 
if you make a mistake, that simply means you've learned a lesson, learn from the mistake and keep on going. If you have a dream that 100 people are going to be fed and only 10 people get fed, it's not a failure. It's 10 people start. got fed. Go at it from the perspective you will do your best. Not everything will work out, but many things will work out beyond your dreams. Put that energy into it and, and things happen. The important thing is that you move the needle in the right direction. It's not how much you move the needle. Uh, that's why I don't care about how much food because it's the wrong question. It's how much do we reduce the problem that gardeners thought they couldn't donate food and they didn't know to where. That is the real key thing. The food is almost superfluous. Uh, yes, for hungry people, it's absolutely critical, but I can't say that if, a lot, if food didn't come in this year, the model is a failure or doesn't work. It does work, sometimes better, sometimes worse, depends upon uh, where you are. I would say the other um, piece of advice is if you're trying to solve a problem, don't try to react to the fact that there's a problem. Try to figure out how to actually end the problem. Food banks are not ending hunger. They are feeding people. They are reacting to the fact that people are hungry and they're giving them food, but they have not prevented the hunger itself. The idea behind ampleharvest.org is to prevent the waste of food so that forever, at some point, that food comes into the system. I like the idea of root cause solution. It's like, it's like if your boat is sinking, don't bail the water, plug the hole. I guess that's the mm -hmm. best way to put it. So if you can find a hole in a system someplace that's bleeding you of, of good, that's bleeding you of improving things, find the hole and plug it first. Ample Harvest Oric has plugged a hole in the American food safety net. And that's the magic that we that we do, and I think anybody could do um, in their country. Wonderful. I'm going to apply that uh, last advice that you gave about pushing the needle. Even if it has moved just a little bit, it's still a movement. That is wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Gary. It was lovely talking to you. And uh, more power to you for all the problems that you are addressing for all the underlying structural and systemic issues that are contributing to the problem, you are moving and pushing the needle. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's a pleasure chatting with you. And if anybody has any questions, they can email info at ampleharvest.org. And if anybody wants to help us, support at ampleharvest.org. So thank you very much. Super. Thank you.